Hey y'all, it's Jessica DeLindy Dykeman with The Courageous and Kind Project. We're featuring stories of women who are living out their God-given purpose through big and small moments of courage and kindness. At Courageous and Kind, we want to create a community of women who are courageous to overcome their fears and who are kind to one another and to themselves. We want to hear and share your story. Help us share God's love by sharing your courageous and kind story. Hey everyone, we are so excited that you are back at the Courageous and Kind podcast. Today we are interviewing Meredith Barnes. She is the new author of All the Time, Daily Devotions, Finding Faith in Everyday Moments. And Meredith and I met through a mutual friend who said, hey, I think y'all are working on similar things. And I know you're both working to advance the kingdom of God and encourage women where they are. And I just think you should meet each other. So we did. And it was so cool, unbeknownst to me, to hear about somebody else on mission for the Lord and doing similar work. And talking to Meredith, it was really neat to get to hear her perspective, to hear a little bit about what God is doing in her life and her new book and how even though we didn't know each other, we had a shared mission in working together. So I cannot wait for you to hear from Meredith. She has some wonderful things and some really great helpful hints on how we can make the most of our time in our lives. And so with our interview, I pick up the question of, hey, Meredith, what are you currently working on? So I wrote and published a book in the past year. It's a devotional book called All the Time, uh, Daily Devotions, Finding Faith in the Everyday Moments. And it was a book that came to me at the start of the lockdown of um, the pandemic. And it came to me in this quiet time where I started to just do a quiet time where I was reading the Bible and writing to myself. And after a few weeks, I started to look back at what I was writing and I was finding this theme of time that was woven throughout my writing. And it was reflections on God's design for time, God's gift of time to us, my complex relationship with time and change um, and all of that stuff. And so through that came this book and it's about two months of daily devotions centered around the concept of time. Oh, that is so wonderful. I'm so excited. I have pre-ordered the book. I am just thrilled uh, to get to read it because there is something so special about time. And my grandfather, my grandpa, used to have this article on his refrigerator that was written in the newspaper a long, long time ago. And it just talked about there was a bank and they would deposit the same amount of money every single day. And if you didn't use it, it would go away. But you could never add it up and you could never trade it. And so it goes through this entire story about this currency and it ends up being the catch of the article ends up being that is your time and how each day you have 24 hours and so on. And so it just, it, that has really stuck with me. And I think 
any woman, any mom, I mean, just now battles with time and time management and what do we do and overscheduling and things like that. Yes. So to piggyback off of what you just said, I think that that as a mother of young children, um, my relationship with time was becoming more evident to me of raising young children is really hard. It's really precious, but it's really hard. And there's this duality of it where I think there are so many phases in a newborn's life, in a toddler's life, in a young child's life where you're going, oh, I just can't wait until you can do X. And there's this sense of, if you're not careful, always looking to the next instead of enjoying the now. And that was something that very much was um, prevalent on my mind in the time that I was writing this. Uh, but to, in terms of like actually having time management to do it, <laughs> um, that was, you know, it was different throughout the whole year, to be honest. Like I said, it started out that I wrote this where I just had about 30 minutes in the morning where I was reading scripture and then where I was reflecting on what I read. Um, and that was back when I had no intention beyond just getting closer to God. Uh, and then as I started to see what was unfolding, I had to actually be much more intentional about managing my time. I had to change some of my practices, like getting up early to get my workout in rather than, you know, trying to do it later in the day. I had to depend on my husband, Ben, quite a bit to help co-parent so that I could slip away and actually get a lot of work done. It was not easy. <laughs> it was a lot of sacrifice and um, cooperation by everyone, but it was such a gift to me during this time where we were all staying at home. It was so nice to have a purpose beyond feeling overwhelmed by the potential monotony of just every day looking the same. I think that is absolutely incredible. I just think about our house and we have one that's a year and a half and just what that looks like in our little dynamic times three and writing and, and I just love, you know, talking about co-parenting and, and that team and, you know, being able to accomplish that goal together and just have this beautiful product of God's love in your family and in this manuscript and this book. And so what do you think, if you could pinpoint what you have learned in the last year, what do you think God has done most in your heart? I think he's really challenged me on being mindful of my actions. As I quickly discovered when I tackled the topic of time, it's everywhere. So it's, I started to see the word time popping up in all of my conversations apart from the book. And, um, I write this, I believe in the introduction of the book, but I, I write, I wrote this book, not because I have it all figured out, but because God is calling me to continue to figure it out. And so I think I recognize that you, you can't do it all at once. You have to find a time for everything. And with that, you have to be intentional and you have to be willing to sacrifice. And so I've just seen a lot more and valuing the people around me, you know, as much as Ben was giving me that time to work on the book, I had to value then what he wanted to do with his time as well and, and see that as equally important. I just think about what God is doing and has done and even in my life. And, and I, and I think about women that are listening to this that are, 
you know, just that just have this this struggle with time and struggle with scheduling and overscheduled and overdone and things like that. And I think about my relationship with time in my single season. I was so busy and I was so involved and did so much. And the truth is that season of life where it was just me and I was single, that afforded that. And God opened that opportunity and that margin to just run myself ragged and do it and enjoy it and love it. And now then becoming a wife and now being a mom, one thing we're practicing in our house with with time is margin and creating space and learning to say no and that being okay to things and not being involved in everything and not helping everybody out all the time, but going back to that intentionality and what God has for this season of life and what how do we make the most of our time? I think the the neat thing about this book was you know, the world slowed down for the past year. Our lives got very quiet in some ways, but in some ways they got louder because more kids were at home and not at school and more parents weren't, you know, we were all working from the same place. And I think what has really struck me as, as hopefully the world starts to open up again and we start to re-enter some of those activities that we were a part of before just like you're saying, that we go in with intentionality, that we see that maybe what we were doing before, you know, we see what was working and we see what wasn't working. And we find ways to not just continuously pile things on our plate and feel like we're running from one thing to the next or always in a hurry. But how do we be more mindful of using that time in a really special God-centered way? I love that. The key words to me right now that you had said, mindfulness in a God-centered way. And, you know, I, I, I sit for a second with the word mindfulness because I feel like that is such a great buzzword, especially as we talk about what self-care looks like in a world of pandemic and everything and, and mindfulness. And it's one thing to be mindfulness and, and it's another thing to be mindfulness with a God-centered and letting him lead our path, letting him guide and direct our time and our energy and where we put our talents and our treasures. And I cannot wait to get my hands on your book. And I cannot wait for our Courageous and Kind readers and listeners to get to meet you through it and meet the Lord through it. So thank you so much. Thanks for letting me pick your brain about what you're working on. That was a fun question to ask. So my next question for you is, what comes to mind when you hear the words courageous and kind? This is a tricky one. I tend to be a people pleaser. Uh, And so I've learned over the years that while I think sometimes I'm doing a good thing or saying what I think those around me want me to do or say, the truth is many times I'm actually doing more harm in not being honest, whether that's harm to myself with boundaries or harm in not communicating the good and honest thing to the person around them. So I feel like When I hear courageous and kind, I guess the word honesty really comes to mind of not honesty in a way of being right or self-righteous, but honesty in a, in a humble way of, of once again, speaking the truth in a really God centered and loving way. 
one of my favorite ver verses, I was actually peeking over at, at it today in Ephesians 4, it talks about how Paul talks about get, having courage to speak the truth in love and share the gospel. And I had just met that terminology a, a couple years ago about speaking the truth in love and being courageous enough to do that. And as you said, doing that doesn't always mean that you're going to say yes. Or like you said, I love to make people happy and I love I love that atta girl in the people pleaser. So to have the courage to just say not right now or no, how important that is and really how life-giving that is for us and that it really brings freedom and the cur and the courage to walk in that. And it's definitely a muscle. I mean, I think some of the courage in that is uh, there are plenty of times where I've put up the appropriate boundaries, but I still feel like I've disappointed the person after. And I've had to learn to exercise that muscle of disappointment and sitting in other people's disappointment and being okay with it. That That's also part of the courage, I think, is facing, yes, that's going to not make everyone happy and that's okay. <laughs> Will you say that again? Because somebody else needs to hear that. <laughs> it's not going to make everyone else happy, and that's okay. Yes. It's time sometimes to be courageous and let ourselves off the hook, especially when we're in step with the Lord and we know we're not supposed to do something right now and in this season. And so here is, I want to say cheers to courageous yeses and cheers to courageous noes. Yes. So speaking of courage, what has been one of your most courageous moments? I have had a lot of career changes in my life. I started out when I went to college. I, my parents told me to just pick any major. It didn't matter just to get a liberal arts degree and I'd be fine. So I went to college without really a plan in mind. And uh, along the way, I discovered I really was enjoying the theology classes so I got a theology major and then our degree, theology degree. And then I graduated and I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I went into advertising and sales for the Anaheim Angels. And then I did that for a while. And that sort of season came to an end and I decided I had spent my time there and I was ready to do the next thing. And so from there, I went to costuming um, and I did some costuming for some plays and a small film in Hollywood. And then a series of events took me to going to graduate school as a physician assistant. So, and even from there, I've had a lot of um, kind of just different changes. And so I would say I've changed my path dramatically throughout my life. And even when I became a mom and I decided that I was going to stay home, a lot of people were, um, surprised by that because, you know, you go to school, you, you get this job, that's a great job. And now you're going to quit it to stay at home. And I've just found that the most courageous choices I've made have been the choices that I have felt very right for me, even when they seemed like a total left turn for everyone else. I know, again, someone listening needed to hear that, that it's okay to not do what everybody thinks you need to do. And it's okay to, it's absolutely okay to follow God's leading when it's counter-cultural. 
Mm-hmm. And I think knowing you just a little bit and how those career changes brought you to where you are now and how cool that is. And who's to say that might have not happened that way and that in every season of that, that you were able to enjoy where you were for when you were there. There's a whole chapter of days in the book about change and my sort of tension in relationship with change, because I'm not someone who loves change, which is funny when I describe sort of my career path because it's full of changes. But the thing that I always come back to is, at least in my professional life, what I always love is I truly, truly believe if you are open-minded and saying yes, God is going to get you where you're supposed to be. And I think back to all of the weird kind of twisty turny paths I took in my professional career. And I just think it's so cool to see, I never would have guessed this is where I would end up, but I'm, I've been so happy at every step of the way with where God has taken me on the path. That's awesome. I love to hear that. And And to get to meet you where you are right now, you know, to see what is to come and where you are right now. So that is so incredible. My next question is, what is one way that we can spread kindness? I'm a big believer in the underdog. I've had experiences throughout my life where I felt alone, especially I would say in high school, I really had a hard time making friends and I carried that feeling of feeling left out or just like you didn't belong with me throughout my life. And it's really, I think, shaped me into making sure those around me feel like they have a place to land. Thinking about now, and we were just briefly talking before the interview a little bit about social media and the digital world and how lonely that can leave us sometimes, but how important it is, you know, as a tool to get to be able to, to advance the kingdom of heaven in ways that we haven't been able to in the past. But saying all of that, what would be some advice in that digital world? How, how do you see that underdog? How do you encourage that person that might be feeling lonely? I, I know this is a curveball for the question, but just curious on a couple of thoughts as I'm thinking out loud. I think of myself as a, how do I explain this? Cause I don't do things like I don't share my children on social media. So those are, you know, parts of my life that I don't want to expose. Um, but I'm very honest. So I look at it as how do I keep the things I want to keep in my life sacred? How do I keep those private? But how do I make sure that everyone knows that what they see here is not going to just be the best version of my life. It is going to be the best and the worst parts of my life. And I really try to keep, you know, it's funny. I did a post probably about a year ago where I talked about how it's very hard for me as I'm more of a type A girl. I like things very neat and tidy. Um, I, I love my control. And so how that plays out as a mother is I tend to not do the messy crafts. Like I don't, I don't love the Play-Doh or I don't love the, you know, cutting and stuff everywhere. And 
And one day I pulled out all the stuff and we just went hog wild with my kids and I posted about it. And I said, this was really hard for me, but I feel really proud of this moment. And it was so great. And someone commented on it. Oh, just let your kids have some fun already. And it was this like, really like, it was a good moment because, you know, I thought for a minute, okay, do I let my kids have fun? Is there truth in this comment? Does this person know me? They were a stranger, of course, because they always are. And I thought, yes, I am a fun mom. That's just not always my kind of fun. And I'm still glad I shared that struggle because there are other moms out there who are struggling with feeling like they don't do enough crafts with their kids or they don't do those things. And so I took it in. I processed it. I thought not for me. And I just deleted the comment and I thought that's okay. So I think there's a, a, a balance of trying to relate with people in honesty without overexposing yourself. I like that. I mean, the one thing too about that is there's transparency in the posting. I was listening to a podcast today that talked a little bit about social media, just showing the highlights the highlight reel of our lives. And so being transparent in that and to say, I see you and to be able to sort through the comments and say, yes, this is constructive. No, it's not. Let's move forward. Yeah. In that, and there is, I mean, there is a lot of courage in, in all of that entire process and how we use social media as a tool and in this digital world right now more than ever. Yeah. And I think we as, I mean, I think all of us have this in different capacities, but what I've learned from others is we have this um, place where we can feel really inadequate or alone or that we're not doing it the right way. And I just feel like the more we can share our struggles in that, we recognize there's not a one right way for everyone, you know, and that there's power in that. I want to encourage our our listeners as mothers, whether you're early in the motherhood season like myself, or you've been there a while, or you're empty nesting now and you're on to grandkids, we need that encouragement all the way across the board that we need to encourage each other and share and be transparent. Because I said this again today and someone said it back to me, it takes a village. Absolutely. It does. So speaking of women, what do you think a courageous and kind woman looks like? I think she's someone who listens to those around her without losing sight of her own beliefs. Oh, I just wanted to let that sink in for a minute. Because there is a lot of value in being able to take in the wisdom and to heed wisdom from other people and keep your sights on what you know you're you're set for, what you know you're doing. That is really special. When you think, so talking about a woman that does that or are courageous and kind women, who would be someone that you admire and why? I thought a lot about this and I think it's a conglomeration of different people in my life. Kind of like I was talking about before, anyone who isn't scared to change their direction I see as sort of a beacon. I think that I've seen that in my life through, I have a girlfriend who was in the corporate world and very successful at that. And she had this calling in her heart to work with the underprivileged refugees, uh, 
people who were, you know, in society that needed help. And she went back to school to be a social worker. And um, I see things like that. And it just is so encouraging to me that we can still, you know, sometimes I think we get on a path and we think this is now this is my path and this is where I will go. And to see other women around me who are willing to take chances or to learn and to adapt, I think that's really encouraging. I think so too. I think this makes me think about when I was younger and having a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, and this is what we're going to do and how we're going to get that. And I always joke that I'm a recovering perfectionist because I am and just learning how to let go. And your comment really makes me think about in my life, when have I had the courage to change and to, and to be okay with that change? And what places in my life did I, I willingly took on the change? And then what places in my life that I just held on, white-knuckled, gripped, and just fought and fought and fought the change. And what was the result of that? And really, what was the benefit of that? And really, how much courage, how much more courage, I think, it takes to step out in what we're called to do than just to keep on. Like I said before, I've just changed. I have a complex relationship with change as well. And what I've just found is when I'm willing to accept that change, um, I'm just opening myself up to God's direction. Um, And the cool thing is God slams doors just as much as he opens them. And so I have a lot of people asking me, um, because of my past experience, well, how do you know? Like, when do you know it's right to make that change? And I always say, God will tell you if you make the wrong choice. Like, it's not like you're going to get so off path that he won't redeem any decision you make. And so if you're feeling like this might be what you're called to, try it. And he's going to, you know, the best way for God to interact with us is for us to act so that he can then steer us towards where he wants us to get. The times that I have made a a wrong decision. You know, I thought I heard God and I, and I didn't or I was just disobedient and what he had called me to do and I didn't do it or I did something different. And the times in my life that a door has shut or something has fallen apart or I didn't have the peace, the peace in God's peace in my heart is really my gauge on, am I on the right path or not? And do I go to sleep with a, with a confident heart and a clear mind? And that, to me, God has used his peace and his presence in confirming or not if I'm on the right path or not. And so I think about or being off the wrong path or whatever, and then the Lord just gently, so tenderly bringing me back. And there's been several times that he has, especially in Courageous and Kind, that he has given me direction and said, Jessica, this is what you are to do with Courageous and Kind. And so I'll be bebopping along for a couple months and then I'll hear a devotion and I'll read a verse and I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? What, you know, is this a new sign or is this you speaking to me? And there has been several times that the Lord has brought me back that says that he is saying, no, I've already told you what to do. I'm not telling you to do anything different. I'm not telling you to add anything. I've already told you what to do. And so there has been many times that I have just conjured up on my own that I need to be doing more or Mm -hmm. I should be doing something else. 
And the Lord's like, no, this is not, this is not what I told you to do. And so there, so going back to that first step to say, okay, Lord, I need your direction in this. Yeah, because I, I'm a more monster too. I always want to do more. And that is such a danger when we think that more means better. More doesn't mean better. You know, more can be a distraction. And that's so lovely how you put that. Well, and I love the more monster. I mean, it is just, (laughs) it is a machine. It is such a machine. And, and it's easy to, again, look at social media and the digital world. This is what they're doing. This is what they're doing. And the Lord had to just so gently remind me that, yeah, they're doing this because there's a staff of 10 and there's a, you know, just kind of breaking down that highlight reel to say, again, this is what I've asked you to do. I will tell you when it's time to move forward. And kind of in that weight, I know we have a, I know we have a struggle with that weight. You know, when we're waiting on something, whatever, that's a promise to come or waiting for God to show us what's next, that I just want to encourage whoever is in that weight right now, Waiting means actively being present in your season of life. And you mentioned intentionality and how important that is. Because if we're not careful, we're just going to wish this time away. Yeah. Big stuff here. We could solve the world. I know. I had to stop myself because I write a lot about waiting in the book, too. And I thought, just don't say too much. I'm going to, I could talk about it forever. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, okay, this is one of my favorite questions. If you could go back to your teenage or 20-year-old self, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, so many things. So many things. Um, I would tell my 8-year-old self not to get permed bangs because that... <laughs> only, only the bangs were permed. Um, but we'll scoot past that. Um, I tell her it gets better, but also that some of the things that you want now and will get later don't actually mean what you think they do. Um, and that fitting in isn't as important as you think and actually being yourself will become an asset later in life. That is just so powerful to be reminded of just that. I love that. Okay, if there is one thing, whether that's advice, wishes, skills, or talents that you could give every woman, like a superpower, what would that be? Well, I didn't go quite superpower, although I guess you could turn either of these into a superpower, but I, uh, physical activity, you and I talked about that on another conversation, but I just think the power of endorphins uh, just solves so many problems. And so if every woman could find something physically active that just fed her, I just would gift that to her in a heartbeat and the time to do it. Cause we all know we need time for that. And then also the power to write down your personal experience. What I've discovered in the past couple of years of writing down lately, I've been um, sharing a lot more um, sort of abstract poetic musings on my day. And what I've discovered is some of the scariest or saddest moments have become beautiful when I've been able to process them through writing them down and retelling them. Oh, I love that. I call that, as a fellow writer too, I call that God's track record because I love to revisit. And I 
I prayer journal often. And so I love to go back and I use that as God's track record because it reminds me of his faithfulness in things that I didn't even imagine could happen and terrible things that did happen and stories of his redemption and answered prayers. And so it, it has a very special place in my heart that you had said that. And I just encourage our women that are listening, write down, journal, write that. Just even if it's a couple sentences, write down what's on your heart and use that as a tool to give over to the Lord, whether that's a worry or, you know, some anxiety that's building up or a wonder or maybe even just a joyful moment that you can go back later and look and say, this is where the Lord was faithful in this, whether I thought he was going to be or not, he still is faithful. And so I think there's something very, very powerful in that. It's so interesting you say that because in 2019, I wrote my prayers down. Um, Sometimes they were just bullet pointed. Sometimes I wrote out a prayer. It was a little bit different every day. Um, 2020, I kind of fell off the wagon of that. And I've started back in on that now. And the thing that I love, like you're saying about writing your prayers down, is so often we are shouting things up to God And he will answer a prayer and we forget about it like that. And when we write it down and then write down when it's answered, we have concrete proof that God is active in our lives when the world tempts us to forget that. Yes, yes. I just think about, I mean, just having a minute and thinking about all that the Lord has answered for me and ways that he has just reminded me, remember you asked me for this or you asked me for this and I said no, but I gave you something better. Because if there's anything that I've learned, it is this, God always has our best and that he cares more about our heart than he cares about our circumstances. And he wants our hearts and he wants us to be like his son, Jesus. It's a long process of what we call sanctification and that in that and being reminded of God's faithfulness just continues that journey through life when headlines are bleak or uh, things hurt diagnosis are hard children are wayward that just is a great reminder of his faithfulness okay and then for my final question what is your favorite bible verse I have two. I have a Bible verse that has sort of been, I think of as like the score for my life. And then the Bible verse that in the past year has really been put on my heart through writing this book. So the first one is Romans 5, 3 through 5. And that's not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. And, um, as readers will find out in the book, I've had my fair share of suffering throughout my life. And I think going through that, especially at a young age, it really fortified me to have hope in things beyond the world. I think it solidified my relationship with God to know that suffering is not an absence of God. Suffering is walking with God and coming through on the other side to meet him in a different shape than you entered. So that would be that one. And then Ecclesiastes 3.1, 
is my sort of my year this year um, verse. It's for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And that one is just, you know, once again, to all us busy moms who want to do it all, um, whenever I start to put too much on my plate and I think I got to do all this today, I got to do get it all done. I'm just reminded that he made a time for everything, but it's not all at once. There is a time for everything and you need to give that thing its time and not try and cram everything else into the time. Oh, that's beautiful. Both of those. Both of those are such good verses. I love I love them both. Thank you so much. Can I pray before yeah. we finish this? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Meredith and her family, Lord, and I thank you for the opportunity to get to see her face to face as we use this technology, Lord, to help spread the gospel and the good news, Lord. And I just pray for the women that are going to pick up her book, Lord, that you would speak to them, that you would change their hearts through the Holy Spirit, and that you would guide her as she continues to write down your words, and that she would continue to live out your light and your truth, Lord, and that you would guide her as she is in the book promotion and and just really sharing her heart with the world that you would protect her, protect her family, and that you would um, that your name would be glorified in all of this. And we thank you so much for this opportunity on your kingdom calendar. And we thank you that we thank you for such a time as this, Lord. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we briefly talked at the beginning, Meredith has a book coming out. Yes. So once again, it's called All the Time, Daily Devotions, Finding Faith in the Everyday Moments. And it was released this week. And you can buy it on Amazon um, or most other retailers as well. I am on Instagram under the handle Freckles and Fortitude. And my website is the same. So it's freckles.fortitude.com. And when I went to your website and signed up, I got a little sample of five-day devotion as well. So there's freebies. Go follow Meredith. Get her book. And hopefully we can book club it in the future and just hear a little bit more about how it's touching hearts and changing lives. So thank you so much for sharing your heart and your time with us on the Courageous and Kind podcast. Thank you again for joining us on the Courageous and Kind Project. We hope that you'll take some time to visit Meredith's blog. You'll check out her website and buy her book. You can buy that, as she said, at um, Amazon, Walmart, Barnes & Nobles. You can learn a little bit more about her book on her website. And you know what? Let's make a commitment as women that we are going to make the most of our time here on earth and that we are going to be on mission for the Lord, and we are going to do His work courageously and kindly and with a steadfast enthusiasm, knowing that our world needs the gospel. So join us again sometime soon. Cannot wait to have you. Talk to you later. Thanks again for listening to the Courageous and Kind podcast. If you have a story you'd like to share or know someone who does, please visit courageousandkind.org. Be sure to check out the Courageous and Kind stories tab. Take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and like us on Instagram and Facebook at the Courageous and Kind Project.